This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Quentin Tarantino's 10th and final film, Kill Phil of the Future. Ooh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll the Credits, the podcast, the only podcast that has something that only Zach and I know about. It's a deeper meaning. But it means something completely very special to us, and you will never know. We have a face in the room that speaks volumes. <laughs> You'll never be able to it, see it. It only wa- it watches us and tells us what to say. <laughs> uh, I'm Frank. I'm Zach. And today we are talking about metaphors and symbolism in film. Mm-hmm. Objects, things in movies, a character per se... That means something in the movie, but then also means something else to maybe us as the viewer of like, hey, this is representing something completely different of like, or whatever it may be. It's a metaphor, right? Like, this is a thing that represents something. What does it mean? That's not what you texted me. That's literally, I said <laughs> metaphors and film. You, yeah, but you weren't that like specific with it. I took it as films, like the entire, met- like the film oh, itself yeah, being a metaphor. That's fine. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to, j- I, I went more of the route of like something in a movie that represents something. Gotcha. Um, but I mean, you can also go like, oh, this is an allegory or whatever mm-hmm. it may be, which is also fine because I have, I have a few um, honorable mentions mm-hmm. where I was like, hey, technically this movie it's not really like a physical object, but the whole movie is kind of like that. So we're on the same page. Okay. Um, don't worry. It's all fine. This is, hey, man, it's pretty loose yeah. around here. It's fine. <laughs> you know, we kind of do whatever Puss we want. Puss in Boots is about the apocalypse. <laughs> um, apparently, they're coming out with a new a new one. Yes. I, I've never seen Puss in Boots. I just don't understand how they keep getting um, Antonio Banderas to do weird kid movies. Well, because that paycheck is probably nice. And yeah. When's the last time Antonio Banderas has done something like really whatever like really worthwhile <laughs> once upon a time in mexico I feel, I feel like he does like really small films now spy um, kids yeah four rooms four rooms yeah yeah that was all in like the 90s yeah, yeah. so yeah uh what a what a what a what a gem antonio vendetta is, is mm-hmm. huh i love that i actually yeah. really like him he was in something recent that was like a spanish film yeah it was and it got like really good reviews mm-hmm. and i just i didn't watch it uh but again it's kind of like that little more independent thing so like yeah. i'm sure that puss in boots money is real nice <laughs> eventually when we do like international films then maybe we'll check it out yeah um okay so let's get into f- metaphors mm-hmm. things that represent other things or or a film that rep- is discussing a really specific topic that maybe uh the movie is kind of about is, is about this, but it's mm-hmm. really about this. Yes. Um, so, Zach, why don't you start us off with your your first and final pick? Yes, my only <laughs> pick for this episode. Um, I This was the only horror film one that I did because, like, I think it's very, very easy. And we talked about that, too, like, for Can the I month guess? of October. You can go ahead. Is it the Babadook? No. Ah. No. That was it, an honorable mention for me. Ah. Just LGBTQ? No, mental... <laughs> 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 you know about that though, right? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it sits there still. Go ahead, go. Um, my first one is it follows. Um, what? So that is that is kind of in the same vein of like what it is. Yeah, yeah. What do you mean? Like the, it, the oh uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. the the entity that follows mm-hmm. them is a metaphor. Yes, yes. And I think it's like it when I was thinking about like metaphors in films, it was one of the ones where it's like it's so like right in your face but at the same time too it has like this really cool way of like hiding it within the film 
of the movie being a metaphor for STDs and like sexually transmitted stuff. Yeah. Like the fact that like you can only pass it on to somebody else for it to follow you is through sex. And you have to basically like be like, hey, you have to have sex and then that person has to have sex. So that way it doesn't come after like the three of us for like another month or something until somebody gets caught. Yeah. Like yeah, eventually yeah. it's gonna stop. Yes, like it's it's not gonna stop. It's it's always gonna be coming after you. I wonder, like, what happens if it reaches the end of the line? I don't. What does it do? <laughs> it just stands. It's just like, <laughs> it just, well, <laughs> it goes back to being like a normal person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really it. That's the real thing. Is like it's been doing this this whole time only so in that way it can become a real boy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Pinocchio. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it follows as a metaphor for Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> everything's a metaphor <laughs> but i really thought that that was like a really cool idea where it's like you know you had like this this concept of the movie let's make it about stds but like let's not fully fully make it about that like yes like the bare bones of it is that like you know again you can only get it through like sex and then it follows you from there because it's always going to be with you but it was just a really unique way of doing that to me like i really think that that like adds a sprinkle of like the horror element into it yeah yeah and it kind of just give me that imp- in like that sort of implication of like if you're if you're a person that knows that you're ha- that, that you have an std and then you still willingly have sex with somebody mm-hmm. that sort of feeling i mean unless you're just a completely terrible person but yeah. like that feeling of like i know i gave it to you and this is probably going to come back to me. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, like that person who then gets that STD, like that's on you now. Mm-hmm. So that's always going to be kind of like over you. And that's, that's what, I, yeah, that, yeah. I, I, I like that <laughs> one. Yeah. It's you a good choice. It. It's, you it's, get it. It's a solid choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so my first pick was, uh, a physical object in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, it's something that in context is like, it's not good because it's really uh, it's really like a fucked up thing. Mm-hmm. But I some I simultaneously can't help but smile because I just think it's really smart. Um, and that is the pipe in Inglorious Bastards <laughs> that uh, Christoph Waltz's character Hans Landa pulls out in the opening scene when they're sitting together uh, mm-hmm. and. And he yes, asks the big him, dick energy that is the pipe. Yeah, and he kind of pulls out that pipe. Uh, you know, the the one the one, he says, "Do you mind if I smoke here?" And he says, "No, mm-hmm. absolutely." And then he's like, you know, he pulls out his giant pipe, and it's such a ridiculously large over. It's a ver- it's very much like a Sherlock Holmes kind of pipe, mm-hmm. and that kind of representing like without him having to say anything, the jig is up. I yeah. know that you're hiding. Jews underneath the floorboards and like just that simple thing of him pulling out the pipe and lighting mm-hmm. it is just like hey this is you. all over I got you it's done and you don't even know it yet mm-hmm. and I just love that I love like the simplicity of, of of like that kind of storytelling where it's just a simple object that means so much yeah and and it, it's like a heavy thing that it means right this is not like to be taken lightly mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of little visual things too about Inglorious Bastards, like when they're eating the food mm-hmm. and like what the food means. The and creme on top. Everything is just so uh, like metaphorical when it comes to like little objects in Inglorious Bastards. But pairing it down to one thing mm-hmm. was the pipe. The pipe. Love the pipe. It's a good choice. The whole scene is a good thing. Oh, yeah. 
Um, next one for me. Uh, kind of, it, it's explored a little bit better, like, in the comics of it, but I think the X-Men franchise altogether um, really did, like, a really cool thing with exploring racism in films. Like, that's that's literally... What they are. What Stan Lee has, like, said time and time again that, like, the mutants in X-Men are. Like, it's literally supposed to represent racism within, like, the community. And, like, having these people that, are, like, are deformed or, like, have powers and normal people, air quotes, hating them, wanting them to be banned, wanting them to be, like, killed off. Like, it's it's a very big thing. And I think in terms of, like, the comics, like, it was right around the time where it's, like, when this came out in, like, the 70s, like, the probably mid-60s, early 70s, um, where, like, it was really, really needing to take off. Like, yeah. the, this needed to be said, and I think Stanley like, did a really cool job of, like, putting that out there in a way that still is enjoyable for kids to read, but if the parents picked it up, they'd be like, oh, this has a deeper meaning. Yeah. And the films do follow, like, a bit of that uh, as well, like, mainly, like, one and two, I feel like, um, especially when you get, like, Nightcrawler involved in the film, but having that still like as a big thing with like stoney and fox like to to showcase that like hey racism is still out there and for them to continue making x-men films and having that be like the centerfold of it yeah is kind of like this idea of pushing that is like okay like it still hasn't stopped like we we still are facing this yeah because we're still making x-men films right yeah you're right it's a good choice Mm. (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm not i'm not down and out on this episode no 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 it's a good choice um, all right, so my next one I wanted to choose. Uh, so you, you your your kind of metaphors so far have been like characters, right? Like you, like your characters are representing something. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm kind of going more towards like the object or like a thing. But this one, while not so much an object, but is a a just an element, I guess is what I'll call it. Um, and that is the water in Moonlight. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Water is in Moonlight kind of like this, this, these moments of like transformation mm-hmm. for Chiron. Um, you know, when Juan is teaching Chiron how to swim in the ocean, uh, that's like a moment of transformation for him, right? And obviously the ocean is water. When he has his first homosexual experience at the beach, right? Water is a very predominant thing. You're like the, the sound of the water mm-hmm. there. Um, and then they always, they, they there was a, th- those moments where every time he, um, kind of like washes his face and splashes water into his, um, um you know, he, he splashes water onto himself. Uh, that's when we get like those hard cuts from when he goes from like little to whatever that, whatever the middle one is. And then from that one to black, right? Like yeah. those moments what? of transformation. Little Tyrone. Tyrone, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I really, I thought that that was just like a really beautiful and also just really deep uh, thing of like this, this water is, is meant as as almost like a baptism Mm -hmm. for this kid. And every time, every time there's water in the scene, something is happening to him that is slowly building him to who he becomes as a man. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's just beautiful. It's great. It's great. That's that's a nice one. I like that. Uh, Next one for me. The original Godzilla film. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> is a metaphor for nuclear weapons. Yeah. It is, again, a little, like, right in your face about it because, like, for the most part, they they kind of mentioned that, like, oh, like, Godzilla was created from nuclear war. Like, 
like the nuke going off is either what like made it into this creature or like awoke it from the sea. Yeah. But what I what I really really enjoy about like the 1954 like original film is the idea that like you see him for I think it's like 4 minutes screen time of him destroying the the city and then the entire rest of the movie is planning of what are we going to do if he comes back and trying to like rebuild the city from like everything that was destroyed. Yeah. And that's a true and tried thing of like nuclear war during that time. Like everything with like Hiroshima and Pearl Harbor, like the the war that went on with like atomic weapons and it's like it it's literally like a 4 minute situation of the bomb going off and then trying to rebuild and trying to like uh pull yourself back together. Mm-hmm. right afterwards yeah and that's what the film is literally representing is that like this is the danger of nuclear war where you can get some creature that can literally destroy anything and everything yeah or the fact that like you you Dude, get i am so excited for oppenheimer <laughs> are you actually Dude, i'm so excited for oppenheimer i want to know if he's actually going to be allowed to launch he's not <laughs> i don't know the maybe, man is the man like has a pull or something. I don't know. Yeah, the man has pull. He might yeah. be able to n- launch a nuke. Very excited about Oppenheimer. It'll be it'll be the start of Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's a good choice though. Where Godzilla representing, um, like the whole like the world ending mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah, and like what what that really means. Um, is there like a like a great Godzilla film? Shin Godzilla. I didn't like that one. It's a good one. But if, is there like a like so, the pinnacle like this like if you if you were to watch one Godzilla film, mm-hmm. this should be the one. I think in terms of like like early on Godzilla, like the very first one, the 1954 one is like spot on like perfect uh horror film that like also showcases like nuclear war. Um later on when they get like really campy I like Godzilla versus Megalon because he does the drop kick. Oh yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> when when you get back to like okay, let's get a little bit more serious, like Godzilla versus uh Destroya is like a sweet movie where it's like they actually put like money into the budget to like make everything look good. Yeah. And then New Age, I I don't care what you say. I think Shin Godzilla is like a beautiful film. I just didn't like it. I thought I, I thought he looked kind of silly. No, he looks cool. <laughs> Him being like all decrepit and like being like a zombie looking. Yeah. But, but again, but then, like, like his face is like dragging along mm-hmm. the city and he's got like that weird tongue thing yes. that's going on. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of silly. But again, like that was a great movie where it's like majority of the film is planning for him to come back. Like this is like that movie was literally like, what would we do if Godzilla came like like, what is the government going to do? Like, they're going to sit there and they're going to argue and then they're going to try and figure out, like, how to stop it. Yeah. That's yeah, what I like. That's what it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Nuclear war. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, my next pick is a beautiful movie, one of my favorites, that came out probably in the past five to ten years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, again, not so much. This one actually is not a physical thing, but more of a an action, I guess, that is... Um, that is that happens in the film mm-hmm. and like what it kind of represents or at least what I took away from it. Uh, and that is a portrait of a lady on fire. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, what the hell's her name? Eloise, 
want to want to really get that down. Yeah. You know? Eloise <laughs> kind of refusing to sit um, and and uh, getting and and getting her portrait painted mm-hmm. by uh, whatever the other character's name is, Marianne. Um, where I don't know, like I I've watched this movie a few times, um, and there's there's a moment in which she's told Marianne is told mm-hmm. to listen. She's not gonna she's not gonna sit for you. Um, so you're going to have to kind of just draw her from memory. Mm -hmm. And I feel like for me, that was kind of a moment of, of like what the artist and the person that is in love, because obviously this movie is about love, right? So like what the, what the love, um, is, in reality versus like this kind of like fantasy mm-hmm. where it's like when she's with her, she's really with her. But then when she has to go to the canvas and she's not sitting there sitting in front of her, she kind of has to, there's kind of like this false um, sense of, of like that kind of like when you're looking through somebody, when you're looking at somebody through rose tinted glasses yeah. where it's just like, they're perfect. Right. So when she's not sitting in front of you, you're kind of just thinking about all the incredible, beautiful things about her. Mm-hmm. And then when she's actually sitting for you, you, there's like this sort of like tension between them. And it's not, it's not the same as, yeah. as when she was there. So, um, I mean, there's other things, obviously like the fire itself, mm-hmm. the, the page 28 that, 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 that is, uh, that is kind of, when, when she paints the final portrait and that's sitting there, uh, that's also really beautiful. Um, but I just really like the idea of like, uh, of, of, um, of, the, of Eloise refusing to, to sit down because she doesn't want to get, um, sent off to mm-hmm. marry to some guy that she fucking doesn't even know. Uh, and, and then Marianne having to kind of paint her from memory and like what that kind of means. So that was my, that was my uh, third pick. I really like that movie. I love that movie. It's just, yeah. It's, it's a great one. Okay. Um, next one for me. Um, I actually chose uh, a Hayao Miyazaki film. I chose Princess Mononoke, which you actually know. Yes. Yes, we did that. Yeah. <laughs> Studio right. Ghibli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Because the way that, like, Studio Ghibli films always has it, where it's, like, it's always, like, every single film always has, like, a deeper meaning, always has, like, the baseline metaphor is always, like, strong female roles and i always really enjoyed that from studio ghibli films because like i think especially when like they started coming out like it was definitely like a lacking thing in film and more or less like in animated film um but i really enjoy the fact that it's like princess mononoke has this overarching metaphor of industrialization versus like nature itself and, like, the story of Ashitaka going through and, like, trying to, like, stop the curse that's on his arm and going through and seeing, like, you know, how that the one, like, um, the one general where she's trying to industrialize the area and, like, trying to chop down all the trees and make, like, actual, like, working mills and steams and everything like that. And then you have the 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 forest like creatures themselves that are like right. the spirits like yeah. trying to preserve everything where it's like okay if you tear down like our our forest then we die like we lose all our power and we just become regular animals and it's like that balance of how much of the world you can industrialize and make better through it but how much of the forest and like the wilderness you can actually keep right. and have 
ecosystems and wildlife stay alive. Yeah. And that's cool for a kid's movie, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, I really think that there was, like, I don't think we did any other ones. Oh, yeah, we did Grave of the Fireflies. Those are, like, really the two of, like, the adult-style themes. We did Akira. That wasn't Studio Ghibli, though. Oh, okay. But um, those are, like, the two from Studio Ghibli that I think, like, you would, like, latch on to the most. And, um, I, didn't, and I didn't really care for Grave You didn't of care the for either of them. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ah, Frank and his hate for anime continues. Mm-hmm. Not yet a you, hate, but yet you picked an episode of anime or uh, animation. Uh, yeah, but not anime. Yeah, anime is different than. One day I'll get you. I'll maybe, eventually maybe. when I, I pick, like Akira. Eventually when I pick Perfect Blue, I think you'll like that one. Well, I like Akira, so you already got me. Um, okay, so my my next one is one that is unintentional, which I find very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is very like simple. Uh, is the oranges in The Godfather. Mm, um, we've talked about this. So it, it has kind of come to be like this representation of something bad is about to happen. Yeah. Uh, when, uh, when I have it all written down. So when um, the horse's head, like the horse head scene, right? Mm-hmm. There's oranges in the scene. When Vito is shot in the street, oranges Mm -hmm. when Vito actually dies at the end of the movie oranges um whenever there is a conversation between tom and somebody and like they're they're setting up something that's whatever whatever it may be there is usually oranges somewhere in the scene Mm -hmm. um and that's kind of like hey somebody's about to get killed or something very big is going to is about to happen um and i was like oh that's really cool and then and then i come to find out that uh it was actually just all accidental, completely un, 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 un like not planned at all. Uh, it just got like this orange guy. I was like, I think we need a pop of color. That's literally what it was. I know. That was literally what it was, mm-hmm. was the fucking cinematographer or maybe it was Francis Ford Coppola, but somebody was just like, yo, we need a pop of color in this scene. Let's just throw some oranges in there. Yeah. And that's what it, <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> so uh, this kind of like uh, rep- like the, this thing that has become so iconic about the Godfather was just a complete mistake. Yeah. Um, but it works, mm-hmm. and and I like it a lot. It's and still that, hilarious. Yeah, and it's very funny to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my my fourth pick. Okay, my last one that I kind of came up with once I found out that like we could do just objects themselves. You mean um, ten minutes ago? Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I want to talk about the steps in Rocky. Da, 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 da. Uh, that's a, that's that's as much as we could do otherwise getting copyright yeah um but the steps in rocky being a metaphor for like the steps you take to achieve your goals like him like running through the street and like him climbing up the stairs metaphorically saying that he's climbing to his goal of becoming a professional boxer becoming a champion winning fights getting the recognition that he's put all of like his time and effort into I honestly think that's one of like the bigger ones that you could think of. Yeah, is the steps from Rocky. <laughs> Rocky's good. Rocky's uh, what a classic. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he loses, yes. in the first one, yeah, is like wow. Like, I know, like all that time and effort. Like we spent two hours with you, yeah, and you still end up losing. <laughs> but but and then I, he comes back and he wins in the second one. Yeah, I think that's that. Overall, I think Rocky, like as a whole, like Rocky's the Rocky's great. Yeah, like the the arc of like him, like failing and then having to go back and like redesign and like actually win in the second movie yeah and then they get silly yeah i I think the third one is where things get a little silly but i think so stallone recently Mm -hmm. actually just did like a re-edit 
where they took out like all the funny bullshit. Like, oh, really? Like the robot and stuff, like from like <laughs> Happy Birthday, Polly, and all that. Mm-hmm. Like they, they got rid of all that. So like apparently it's much better. And even like the newer ones mm-hmm. are pretty good. Yeah, I heard like great things about Creed. Well, that, I mean, well, yeah. So Creed is more, you know, that that's like a that's kind of like a another kind of that's like in the same world as Rocky but it's mm. not Rocky but I mean like even like the newer Rockies like the actual ones where he's like an old man yeah really good mm-hmm. Re- I, I think, really liked it I think it's um it's either the third or the fourth one but I really enjoy the fact of like the the first hour where it's like he's gotten cocky because like he's winning too many fights and it's like he's walking around town and he's got like the suit on and everything like that and he's not going to the gym training anymore yeah. and then he gets into that fight and he fucking loses right away because he's like oh shit yeah i've been i've been doing way too much nonsense i gotta get back in the gym and train yeah yeah like i think that like arc is kind of cool for him yeah and you can, and you just never get tired of a training montage in Rocky. Yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> they're all just, good. Just getting in the freezer and beating up some meat. <laughs> yeah, they're they're classic. Get them, Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, my last one is. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this film. Um, it's a movie that I really like. I don't know if you would like it. Uh, it's fucking. It's bizarre and weird and crazy. Uh, but what a trip of a movie it is. Um, it's a movie called, and I don't even know if I'm technically even pronouncing this right. Titane, Titan, T I T A N E came out, uh, like two, two, maybe, maybe two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's about a woman who, uh, gets impregnated with a vehicle, a car and, uh-huh. uh, and, uh, she's a serial killer and mm-hmm. then she's runs away and then meets up with this guy who has lost his son like years ago. And then she fakes, she pretends to be his son. Um, it's a wild fucking movie. Did David Lynch direct no, it? No, uh, <laughs> It seems like something up his alley. It's a wild movie. Um, really good though. In my opinion, it's very beautiful. Like for how crazy it is, it's actually really intimate and like small scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but just insane. Um, so I just want to talk about the car because like what the car represents, because she, she literally is like a stripper kind of not a stripper, but she's like a dancer Mm -hmm. and like, she goes to these car shows and she's like a dancer at these car shows. Um, and then what you, you find out earlier that she, she got into like, she's always kind of had as like a child, like this sort of infatuation with cars and, and, and like mechanical objects essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, she's when she's like eight or nine, her, her and her dad are sitting in the car and they kind of have like this rocky relationship where he's kind of, he feels very disconnected from her, but they get into a car accident. They both survive. Um, but then she ends up getting like a metal plate and stuff like stuck, like, uh, in, into her head, into her head. Mm-hmm. And then after that accident, she like really becomes infatuated with, with, uh, cars. And she has, she ends up getting, she ends up having sex with a car and uh, and I just thought that like the representation of at least what I took away from it and, and, it, and it could be different. But like what I took away from it was like she's seeking this sort of um, this kind of love from like this cold and just dead thing, mm-hmm. i.e. her father. Yeah. And like she then is kind of like that that is what she's like seeking even though she knows that it's not good for her and like that she needs something else and then and then it turns into like a really beautiful story about this father and son situation that he it's a whole thing <laughs> it's a whole thing and maybe we'll do it one day it sounds weird it's very very weird um 
but uh, it's a really beautiful film, and I really like the idea of the car kind of representing like this sort of love that 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 she's only been like used to, and that she needs to find something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, when her water breaks, it's like motor oil. Oh, and, that's like, fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. like really just strange and fun Are you stuff. Sure, David Lynch. Uh, no, nah, it's not it? a David. It's actually the woman who made. Um, you ever see Raw? Oh, I know about the that. Cannibalism. Yeah, that film? just came on Netflix. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, it, it's um, she's she, that that Raw was her debut, and then Titane mm. was her was her second film. Okay, I uh, I wanted to watch Raw. That looked really Raw's cool. good. Raw's mm. really good. We could do it. We could do it. Um, mm. maybe next time. I want to see Bones and All. Yeah, I do too. I don't even know what it's about, but oh, I, I like the it's director, a, and I don't mm. don't even tell me. Okay. Um, I just know I think it's like a romance film. I think I have no idea. It's a little bit of something mixed with something. Okay. Well, whatever. Uh. And I had some honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. Um, I pretty much just wanted to mention anything Yorgos Lanthimos does because yeah. every they all just mean something, mm-hmm. right? Uh, like the lobster, mm-hmm. the uh, deer, killing of a sacred deer, and the favorite, all just really beautiful. Like the, the bunny, rabbit, the rabbits, and in, in, in uh, the he's got a thing for animals. Um, and then I wanted to do my last one was uh, Midsommar, Danny's clothing, mm, and yes. like I've I've said this in the review, but like you know the whole thing of when when she's when she's before she goes to Sweden, her clothes are all super baggy and not really fitting her well. And then when they get to Sweden and they and they get her and they start giving her clothing, her, her clothes start fi- uh, fitting way better. And that's kind of like that representation of, oh, she's fitting in here mm-hmm. and she doesn't she never fit in um, back home. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was just really smart writing. Uh, you have any honorable mentions or uh, for me, it was um, every I talked about it in the episode, but everything everywhere all at once uh, being a great film to represent like Asian American culture, mm-hmm. like just fitting into like America and like, like making your own niche and like creating your own environment. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, citizen Kane, the, the sled. Yeah. The sled Rep- <laughs> representing his childhood. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was going to put citizen Kane, but I was like, it's, like, it's so cliche. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's an honorable mention. It's yeah. like, eh, I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows. <laughs> Um, okay. So recommendation time. Yeah. What do you got? Um, I don't know. There's so many things. There's like so many things that I want to recommend <laughs> and I don't know what to choose. It's like the exact opposite of me where it's like, I'm scrambling sometimes. Like I got to fucking figure out something to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have like so many things that I want to recommend. Um, so I will start off with this. This almost feels like a you, uh, recommendation. It's water. Not water, but I've been doing intermittent fasting. Yes. Um, and I, I will, I won't say that I'm recommending that you try it. I would say that I recommend doing your research because I would never say that. Like, I would never try to encourage you to change anything about your health. Um, because I'm not a doctor and I'm not. I sh- you should not listen to me. <laughs> but um, all I can say is that over the past like year and a half to two years, I've been having like these on and off stomach problems. Um, if you've been a listener for an extended period of time, you may have known that I disappeared for like, oh, what, maybe a month, yeah. uh, three weeks maybe, um, because of my stomach issues. And I was going to a lot of doctors and trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Um, so I just decided to try intermittent fasting. Um, and I've been doing it for like a week now. Um, and I will say that, man, my stomach problems have almost entirely dissipated. Wow. Uh, I think, and I, and this is me being a, a, a complete idiot and not knowing, but I think from the the limited research that I have done about intermittent fasting and the fact that, um, and like kind of like what made me want to try was that like fasting is kind of like a hard reset on your body, mm-hmm. uh, and 
your stomach and everything just kind of goes back to base when you fast. So what I've been doing is um, 18 hour fasting and then six hours of eating. Mm. Right. That's 24. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I eat from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. And then from six um, from 6 p.m. all the way back to 12 p.m. I cannot eat. And then in that six hour period, I can. Um, And I will say that I feel amazing. (laughs) That's all I will say. I Mm -hmm. mean, there's a lot of things like that also go with it. Like you shouldn't be fasting. And then when you break your fast, Oh, I'm going to have cake and cookies and all that. Like you should also be eating good as well. But I will say that, um, I feel really good. I I have so much more energy, which is ironic because you would think that you would have less energy when you're fasting, but Mm -hmm. I have a lot more energy. I have zero stomach pain. Um, and everything about, the actual like my digestive track and my stomach and all that feels amazing. So um, I would recommend looking into it, I guess is the recommendation and mm-hmm. seeing if it's something that you feel maybe would be beneficial to you. Um, so yeah, that's my recommendation. Our next film, Zachary. Yes. We are going to be doing little miss sunshine. Oh yeah. I know about this movie. I've been on a, I've been on a Paul Dano kick. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you haven't seen it, and I think you're gonna no. enjoy it. Steve so, Carell's in this, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna do Little Miss Sunshine. It's on HBO Max. Enjoy. Nice. Zach, take us out. I guess. Thank you for listening. Now, Frank, roll the credits. <laughs> <laughs>